Welcome back to the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. Today, we are joined by Bob Goff, Associate Director of Facilities and Aquatics at Campus Recreation. I'm Lindsay Heck. And I'm Eric Garrison. Bob, so glad to have you here today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And you are here because... According to the World Health Organization, drowning is the third leading cause of unintentional injury death worldwide. That's a big number. Why is it so important that we talk about water safety? Well, thanks so much for having me. And this is an important topic, so I appreciate the opportunity to speak about it. We're here because drowning is 100% preventable. Mm. This is an accidental death that doesn't have to happen. So there are things that we can do, each one of us can do, to help make this number go down. So a couple of numbers from the CDC, the U.S. averages about 10 deaths per day mm. in non-boating related drownings. So about one in five people who die from drownings are children 14 and younger. Mm. Nearly 80% of people who die from drownings are male and children ages one to four have the highest drowning rates. And most of those drownings occur at home swimming pools. Mm. The fatal unintentional drowning rate for African-Americans is significantly higher than from whites across all ages. And again, this is preventable. There are steps we can take to change this. So what usually leads to this? How do people usually end up drowning? So it's going to sound so simple, but people get in the water who don't know how to swim. That, that is the leading cause for drowning. People that just don't have the skills. And there's lots of reasons for that. Maybe they don't have access to pools or water or have never had the opportunity to learn how to swim. There are lots of barriers and lots of reasons for that. But that's the reason. For kids, usually it's the lack of a barrier, like a fence around a home swimming pool. Lack of close supervision, either by a parent, a caregiver, or even lifeguards. And sometimes it's the location, right? So... Children ages one to four, home pools and bathtubs are the places that little kids drown. The percentage of drowning in natural waters, like lakes, rivers, oceans, things like that, those numbers increase as people get older. So they increase with age. More than half of the fatal and non-fatal drownings for people 15 and older occur in natural water settings. I know that sounds like a downer, but again, it's so preventable. These are things that we can do to stop this. So why is water safety important for those of us who already know how to swim? That's another great question. Not only is it important for you to know how to swim, the swimming is the number one thing that you can do, right? Learning how to swim is gonna be the best thing you can do to prevent drowning, but it's not the only thing that you can do. We also want to make our activities and our choices smart around the water. So things you can do to reduce the risk of drowning Be smart. Avoid some other risk factors. Encourage your family and friends to learn how to swim. Learn CPR. That's a great thing you can do in the event that there is an emergency. And if you're on a boat, wear a life jacket. I know it's not comfortable sometimes if you want to go out on the water and work on your tan or things like that. It can be uncomfortable. But most people don't expect when there's going to be an emergency on a boat. It just happens or you fall over or something along those lines. So having that life jacket, there's lots of different types of appropriate life jackets out there that you can wear depending on the type of activity you're doing. If you're not on a boat, 
again, avoiding those risk factors. Use the buddy system. Don't swim by yourself. Avoid alcohol use before you get in the water. Again, we talked about life jackets with boating. Make sure you have a life jacket for every person that's going to be on that boat. And make sure they wear it. The Red Cross has a saying we teach with little kids. It says, don't just pack it, wear your jacket. Mm. And that's important. If you're out there with a group, ask if your friends are comfortable in and around the water. And then listen to them. They might tell you without telling you whether they're comfortable or not. If they don't want to go in the water, don't force them in the water. Maybe they've got something that's going on in their past that you don't know about. Maybe they're not comfortable sharing that information. So don't dare anybody to swim across the pool or go into the deep end or swim out to the sandbar. You know, if they're not comfortable doing it, that's okay. You know, leave them alone. They're enjoying the outdoors. They're enjoying the water the way they want to. And we're reaching our spring season, which to me always is that signal that summer is so near. And, and I know I love to, to spend my summer days um, in some of, some of our beautiful local waterways. But Bob, what are some of the locations that are most dangerous and present the biggest hazard for swimming? So we're surrounded by some fantastic natural areas around here. There are a couple places that are great to hang out, but you got to be really careful around the water. First, any place, whether it's a pool, a lake, a river, or an oceanfront, any place that you are after you've been drinking is a place that you shouldn't get in the water. Any place that you're swimming by yourself, swimming alone, is a dangerous place. Any outdoor location where there's thunder or lightning can be unsafe. Any unguarded facilities like riverfronts or oceans or lakes or quarries, those can be unsafe places. So you really want to tread lightly there. Any place that has water with current or underwater hazards. Could be debris, stumps, trash, cars. I mean, anything old refrigerators that people dump in the water. Or any place that has aquatic life. So you're thinking uh, the beach and like jellyfish or stingrays or things like that. So you you just want to be aware of your surroundings there. And then any pools that you can't see the bottom. So if it's a cloudy pool it's foggy or it's covered in dirt or whatever, you, know, you want to make sure that the pools that you're getting into are clean, have good water chemistry, so that not only is it safe that you can see the bottom and somebody could see you if you're on the bottom, but also then it won't irritate your skin if the chemistry is off. Oh. So you really want to take a critical eye in any place that you're going to jump into. Now, there's just some good facts about, like, good location to swim, but what are some of the myths about swim safety? All right, so there are a lot of them out there. So rather than repeating them, because I don't want people to think, oh, Bob said that this is the (laughs) truth. I'm going to debunk some of the mess. All right. So number one, water safety is everybody's responsibility. So it's not just the lifeguard. It's not just the aquatic directors. This is everybody, right? We're all in this together. Lifeguards are there to supplement your watchful eye, especially if you've got young swimmers around. Lifeguards are not babysitters. It's not a chance for you to dump the kids off of the pool and then let somebody else watch them. They're there to help supplement the watchful eye that you're providing for those younger swimmers. Swimming does nothing to sober you up. Okay. All swimming or really all exercise can do is make a tired drunk, a little more awake drunk for a short period of time. So don't think that hopping in the water is going to somehow improve that situation. Everybody can learn to be safe around the water. So regardless of your age, your race, your experience, or any physical abilities that you have, everyone can learn to be safe 
around the water. There's things we can do so that you can enjoy it. Uh, as a, a longtime lifeguard, here's one that really strikes home with me. So those air-filled toys and foam floats are not safety devices. Okay, water wings are terrible. Lifeguards hate them. Learn to swim folks hate them. Don't use those things. What's the problem with them? Well, when you think about your swimming stroke as you move your arms, you really want a full range of motion. And water wings prevent that from happening. They keep your arms on the surface. And really what happens, I can't tell you how many times we've seen little kids jump in with water wings on, and all of a sudden, all you see is a pair of hands and some water rings around the wrist, and the rest of the kid is under the water. Kind of looks like a little Muppet mm. in there, right? So water rings are not great. Noodles, inner tubes, these are not alternatives to well-fitting life jackets. So if you've got a non-swimmer or a beginning swimmer, and you want them in the water with a little bit of support, get a good life jacket. Keep the toys for play, but they're not safety devices. And also with the floats, like at our local pool, we can't usually have them in the deep end. So is that posing a visibility issue? What's the real reason that we can't take those in the pool? That's a great question. If you've been over to water country over the last 5, 10, 15, 30 years it's been open, you've seen a transition from those inner tubes that were multicolored to now they're clear. And it's exactly because of the visibility issue. So if you think about looking into the water, now we've got a blind spot under the raft that we can't tell if there's somebody there. So if the inner tube is clear, then we can see the bottom and see if there's somebody down there. And then the last myth here that I wanna address, and I really think this has more to do with parents wanting a break than anything else. It's good to, to wait a little bit after you've eaten. It's always good before any form of exercise. There's no literature I've read that really says 30 minutes is the minimum time you need to wait before going to swim. You could probably swim before that, but it gives parents a good break from that attentiveness while the kid's in the pool. Bob, you've been such an advocate for risk management and safety on campus here, but, you know, in regards to water and other ways, how did you get to this place where, where you're advocating for the safety of others and their well-being? Well, like many of our college students here at William & Mary, I started with a summer job as a lifeguard way back when. And that part-time summer job that my parents kept saying, well, if you're going to do that every summer, you're eventually going to have to get a real job it has turned into a real job, right? So lifeguarding since I was 16 turned into a job on campus when I was an undergrad as a lifeguard with the local rec center and the campus rec program there. And then parlayed that into a graduate assistantship for aquatics and safety. And then that led to my first professional position as an aquatic director on a college campus. And over 20 years later, here I am. Still lifeguarding, that summer job just keeps going. And so through that experience, you've had those interactions with folks where you really do understand the risk that there is involved when you're participating in these activities and understanding that, you know, there are some right and wrong ways to go about and to interact with the water. And as we come up onto the summertime, what are some of the places on and off campus that students can safely be around the water? We've got two fantastic resources right here on campus. The first is the B. McLeod Recreation Center, and that's where my office is located, and folks are welcome to drop by. We've also got the Matoka Boathouse, which is down on Lake Matoka, which is a fantastic resource that Campus Rec 
managers right now. The boathouse is open by appointment. You can make a reservation online for a one-hour session, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, in the afternoons, and Saturdays, pretty much from 1130 to about 5 o'clock. Life jackets we provide. You can rent out a boat, kayak, canoe, stand-up paddleboard, and paddle around Lake Matuga. It's beautiful down there. Oh, it is a fantastic resource, and it's free for our students, faculty, and staff. So you can check that out. Those are resources on campus. The rec center pool is open seven days a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings, and then every day during the lunch hour from 12 to 1.30, and then in the evenings again from 6 to 7.30, and then Saturday and Sundays, we open at 10. We have a, a session at 10 a.m. and then again at noon. So if it's student, or you mentioned faculty and staff as well, if any of those people is interested in either the pool or the boathouse, how do they sign up for something like that? Or how do they participate in something like that? Yeah, thank you for asking, Eric. We go to the Campus Rec website and follow the directions there to sign up for a facility reservation spot for the building. Uh, and that includes access to the pool in the rec center. And then from our website, if you follow the links to Tribe Adventure, you can sign up for a spot for the Matoka Boathouse. And that's at campusrec.wm.edu? Yes, thank you. Okay, wonderful. And all of those events are staffed by trained students and professionals who are on hand to answer questions and, and just observe lend a hand if you need help. Um, what about some off-campus opportunities? Are there any good spots? Well, we, we are surrounded by water here on the <laughs> peninsula. There's, there's so many cool places that you can get involved with. So I broke it down by kind of type and location. So local pools around here, the James City County Community Center, which is behind the Dillard Complex, so not far off campus. The Williamsburg Indoor Sports Complex has an indoor pool that's out at Warhill Park. The Williamsburg Community Pool is really close to campus. It's open during the summer months. That's right behind Food Lion. And they offer student membership right there. The R.L. Wilkerson YW, YMCA near Sentara. That's got a great indoor pool. They've got a fun slide, so that's a fun place too. And then lots of our local apartment communities also have pools around there. So again, when you're checking those out, make sure that they're clean and clear and that you can see the bottom. The kind of trick is if, if you can see clearly see a dime on the bottom of the pool, then that's a good pool. You can hop in there. Do not enter the foggy pool. That's mm. exactly right. And then, of course, we got a lot of riverfronts here. So the one many of our listeners are, are experienced with is College Creek. And then there's Jamestown Beach. And then the York River State Park has some waterfront available there as well. Now, regionally, Newport News has the Midtown Aquatic Center, and that's a big 50-meter indoor pool, which is cool. They also have Huntington Beach Park, which is uh, on the James. Hampton has Buckrow Beach. Norfolk has Ocean View Beach. And down at Virginia Beach, as you would expect, there's lots of resources down there. So there's First Landing State Park. So I know our Tribe Adventure Program utilizes quite a bit. There's the oceanfront that everyone is familiar with. A little more off the beaten path, and my personal favorite is Sandbridge. Mm, yeah. Down at Virginia Beach. That I place grew up is great. At Sandbridge, yeah. And that leads you right into Back Bay National Wildlife Refuge, which is great. Uh, you can do a lot of kayaking, stand up paddle boarding there. The cool thing about that location is that's the northern end if you ever go down to the Outer Banks and get on the four-wheel drive access. Oh, yeah. The southern part of Back Bay National Wildlife Refuge is the northern end of the Outer Banks. So you I can had actually, no idea. You can walk from North Carolina to South Carolina. 
on the beach there. That's amazing. Another spot that is fun to get to is Chip Oaks Park, which you can take the ferry right off from Jamestown and cross over to Surrey. And they've got a neat little waterfront there. I hear they're big on the shark teeth. Yeah, that's true. Chip Oaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Take the Jamestown Ferry uh, and just a little south, probably about a 15, 20 minute drive. Yeah. And Boat State Park. And uh, heading out west a little bit, some of the James River access and your uh, neck Pony of the woods. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Really enjoy those. Bells Island, Browns yeah. Island. Walking the bridge. But Bob, we have students, faculty and staff who are working from home in other parts of the United States. Thinking about what you just said, where might someone who was not living in Williamsburg, Richmond, the, the, the Tidewater area, what resource would they need to look up on the internet or something to, to find places where they could participate in water sports or um, swimming, just even beachfront? Sure. Great question. I, I'm a big advocate for local parks and recreation. Okay. So I would send you there first. So your local county, township, community, their parks and rec program. Check out what they have to do. In the summer is the the big push for learn to swim programs. Many facilities and programs will have both little kids and adult learn to swim programs. And in non-COVID years, we also do an adult learn to swim program through campus recreation. So that's a great way. Again, no matter what your ability, your background, there's a program for you. So check out your local parks and rec, great place to start. And then also some of those community organizations. So the YMCA, the YWCA, the JCC, Mm, mm. lots of good organizations around the country that are doing great work. Fantastic. And that's a great way to keep yourself safe in the water. What about CPR classes? Are we hosting any trainings right now? Yeah, absolutely. We do have CPR programs available through Campus Recreation. So those registrations open every Monday morning. It costs $40, which is at a huge discount from what you would get if you go to the Red Cross website and look at it there, we charge only enough to cover our expenses. So just enough to pay our student instructor, which applications are open for that position right now. We're looking for more CPR instructors for next year. So if anyone's interested in that, please hit me up, bob at wm.edu. And what's the real benefit to having CPR training if you find yourself in this situation um, regarding water safety? Well, having CPR is going to help keep our our victim in a state to give them the best chance of survival. So the stat is every minute that CPR or AED is delayed reduces someone's chances of survival by 10%. So we really need that early recognition that there's an emergency, early access to EMS. So we want to make that call. So make sure your phones are charged up when you're headed out and early access to advanced medical care. Recognize there's an emergency, call 911, provide care to the best of your ability, and let's come to the hospital as quick as we can. And equip yourself with the skills to keep your body safe in the water, making good choices when you're surrounded by the water, and then also adding on that element where you're potentially able to assist if you find yourself in that unfortunate circumstance. Yeah, that's the ideal. Keep yourself safe. Keep your friends safe. Everybody looking out for everybody else. Well, Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for allowing me to come. I'd also like to thank my co-host, Lindsay Heck. And furthermore, I would like to thank our sponsor, United Healthcare, for the support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Brittany Emmons, Colin Cross, Jenny Hillman-Dollar, Ben Heath, Daria Moody, and myself, Eric Garrison. 